0: The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network, and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 232. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed.
1: as when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a time lord I'm not
0: a human being I walk in eternity Brave hearty Change my dear And it seems on a moment too soon Unlimited vice pudding Physician Wearing <laughs> a bit thin Fantastic I am Scottish
1: I can complain about things
0: She'll be fine Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the 11th Doctor story, The Wedding of River Song. And joining me today on the panel is Jimmy Akin. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Father Cory couldn't be with us this time, but he'll be back next time. Uh, but uh, until then, re- folks, remember to like The Secrets of Doctor Who on Facebook at facebook.com slash Who. Retweet us on Twitter and leave us comments there. We love to get your feedback on the show. So uh, we are talking about it's. I guess it's the penultimate episode of this season of Doctor mm-hmm. Who.
1: Ultimate, if you don't count the, it's the season finale. Uh, but they do have a Christmas episode that comes right. after.
0: Right. Exactly. That's that's. That, I always have a hard time trying to figure out what. Sometimes the Christmas episode is in the next season. Sometimes in this season. But yeah, let's call it the, the final episode of of this particular season. Of Dark Two, the Wedding of River Song. It's the uh, climactic moment of this whole, the silence season or Lake Silencio story arc, you could almost say, because there's still more to come, but we'll get to that. But Jimmy, could you recap for us quickly what happens in this episode?
1: Sure. So we start the episode with uh, Stephen Moffat doing his Stephen Moffatist <laughs> science fantasy shtick. We uh, t- something has happened to time; it's become frozen at five oh two p.m. on the day the doctor dies, and it's collapsed in a way that we're told all of history is happening at once. So we have a park in London with "Please don't feed the pterodactyls" signs, mm-hmm. and when the people try to feed the pterodactyls, it goes wrong. Uh, we have the holy roman emperor winston churchill returning on his per- we don't see this but we're told in a broadcast he's returning on his personal mammoth to the <laughs> senate and we see this you know mashup of all this all this different imagery from history strangely despite the fact that all of time has collapsed into 502 p.m. nothing from the future appears to have collapsed into mm-hmm. 502 p.m. so that's a little anachronistic We then, through a series of flashbacks, as Winston Churchill starts talking to the doctor in this crazy kaleidoscope moment, we start learning what happened to bring things to this state. And basically, we revisit the events from the beginning of the season at Lake Silencio, where you've got Amy, Rory, uh, the doctor, River, and Canton, Delaware, if I recall his name correctly, all together on the beach. And the astronaut suit comes out of the lake and shoots the doctor, and this time it's revealed that River is in the suit. It's a younger version of River, and so you've got two rivers here. I like the doctor says River came twice, mm-hmm. but she shoots the doctor instead of shooting the doctor this time, she discharges her weapon system and doesn't shoot him. And this is a problem because it's a fixed moment in time, and she just changed it. and so all of time. We have a huge paradox, all of time has collapsed, and we go into another sequence where Amy and Rory, who don't really know each other, come and kidnap the doctor and take him to Area 52, which is a U.S. facility inside the Great Pyramid, where the silence are housed and Madame Kovarian is there, and the silence attack, and they go up on the roof of the pyramid. River reveals that she knows the doctor has to die, but she couldn't let him die without knowing that he's loved. And so she sent a message to all of the universe outside of the collapsing time bubble they're in. And everyone is sending in messages saying, We love you. And of course, we'll help and things like that, even though they can't. And this convinces the doctor that River loves him enough that he'll marry her. So he marries her. And then they kiss. And since they're the two individuals at the focus of the, of the, of the time paradox, their kissing allows the universe to reset. And uh, through a bit of prestidigitation, the doctor ends up not dead after all. Because it isn't actually the doctor there on the beach, it's the doctor inside the Tesselecta robotic, shape-shifting giant facility that can look like a human being and has been set to look like the doctor. Right. So it's always been River in the astronaut suit killing the Teselecta, which is a doctor suit containing the doctor.
0: Yeah. Uh, later on, we'll talk about how the doctor managed to get the Teselecta to do the Artron energy thing that got interrupted, uh, you know, the interrupted regeneration that killed him. But uh, we could <laughs> we'll talk about that yeah. as we go through. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So it's April 22nd, 2011, 5:02 p.m. London time. That's the doctor's death date and time. That's what they've established. And like you said, it's uh, the... Oh, that
1: means they're drinking wine in the mid-morning Utah time.
0: No kidding. That's, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> it's early. Hey, why not? It's a, it's a picnic <clears throat> with the doctor.
1: Um, and if you're about to die, you know.
0: Yeah. There are some interesting bits that they, they kind of smash together into this opening montage of the strange mashed together, time mash uh, world that they're in. Uh, you have steam locomotives on elevated tracks going through the Shard, which is a, a building in in London. Oh, I always I know it is the pickle. That's uh, another name for it. Oh, okay, <laughs> it does kind of look like a pickle. And uh, you have hot air balloons carrying cars around for some reason. W- Roman chariots. Uh, you have Charles Dickens on TV, which is interesting, played by Simon Callow, who is the guy who played Charles Dickens in the ninth Doctor story, The Unquiet Dead, on a BBC morning show discussing. This year's Christmas episode, which features ghosts, the present, the past, the present, and the future, all at the same time, which I thought was an interesting little bit of uh it's a nice uh, nod. meta, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's it's kind of meta, um, yeah. So when they're with Churchill, uh, at the beginning, the uh, the Holy Roman Emperor Churchill, and he calls in the soothsayer. He only calls in the soothsayer at first from the Tower of London, who's he threw him in the Tower of London before. Uh, the doctor comes in and he's. It's clearly he's dressed like Jesus. He's got the robes and the oh, and the long beard thing. I never saw that if it because really felt like his,
1: the beard isn't long enough to me to, uh, but not for yeah. my image of Jesus anyway
0: <laughs> right, right, right right. but um it's it's it felt very much like Christ being called before Pilate in you know, the whole what is truth the, the mm. sort of thing. It's instead of Pilate, It's the Emperor instead of Jesus, it's the doctor. I, I really felt like that that was something that they were intentionally doing there by hmm. that costume, especially, uh, th- th- that it was very, very interesting.
1: Yeah, I i guess mileage will vary on this. I didn't perceive any of that. I saw okay. the doctor as a, as dressed as a, a, a soothsayer who's been in confinement for a long time, which is why he's got the long hair and the beard. Yeah. You know, just like he did when they confined him at Area 51. And right. he's wearing he's wearing Roman period attire and it's the doctor and Winston Churchill.
0: Yeah. Although Churchill's wearing He's he's know, wearing his, his
1: Roman toga, you know, yeah.
0: Well, no, Churchill was wasn't he wearing the twentieth century clothes?
1: Oh, was he? I thought he had a yeah. I thought he had a toga at one point. Maybe I'm uh, mistaken.
0: Yeah. Well that was I think the thing that kind of threw me was not everyone was wearing the Roman attire. So I could be off on that, but I thought it was interesting because it would it would bring up interesting questions of You know the whole pilot asking what is truth, and Churchill, in this story, is trying to get at the truth, trying to get at what is really going on. He senses, he knows something is not right. He knows that time should not be stopped at a at a particular moment. Uh, That comes up in his discussion with a doctor um, uh, Maloke Maloke, which we the doctor we had seen, but the um, he's a Silurian. Silurian, thank you. That was the word escaped me for a minute, Uh, Doctor. So uh, I thought that was interesting. And then we have that fl- this flashback from there to the doctor trying to figure out why he has to die. And he's traveling through time and space before the Lake Silencio moment to figure out why is it I need I am to die at this moment. And so he, he goes through a, da- a Dalek uh, that has mm-hmm. uh, b- been destroyed, nearly destroyed.
1: He, he's, he's getting information out of the Dalek mainframe. Then he goes to the Teselecta people to ask them why he has to die. Mm-hmm. he in, he's trying to track down the silence to find right. out from them and we then see him playing something called live chess where <laughs> the uh the electrical charge in the chess pieces increases and as uh, as as you play as you play and yeah. he's he's just got a guy he's going to electrocute if who's part of the silence if the if he doesn't forfeit the game and so right. he deals with the guy This is apparently a popular sport at some point in history, and so you've got (laughs) cheering fans watching the live chess match. (laughs) And the creepy guy, whose name is uh, Gantok, by the way, Um, Gantok uh, agrees to take him to where he can learn why he has to die if he'll forfeit the game so he doesn't have to be electrocuted. And so he does. And he then takes him to the the vaults of the Headless Monks, where they've got all the heads. Most of which are just skulls, although they're still animate somehow. Yeah, and he tells them there are no rats in the in these vaults <laughs> because the the heads eat them.
0: It's not creepy at all. <laughs> yeah.
1: But uh, but Dorium is there. Dorium Maldivar, who was a right. demon's run and got beheaded, is there, and he is in a box because he's rich and has good Wi Fi. <laughs> and and he tells the doctor this prophecy about on the fields of Trenzalore at the fall of the eleventh, when no one could no soul could fail to answer or answer falsely, the question will be asked, which he says should be translated the question must or when the question is asked, silence must fall. Right. And and he knows what the question is. And it's not revealed to us until the end of the episode, but he tells the doctor and the doc and and then says, "Now you understand why you have to die."
0: Right. It's the oldest question in the universe, hidden in plain sight. Is, is yeah. what they said.
1: And it's going to be Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah, the question you've been running from your whole life, and and that right. all that all that is clever and fine, right? Gantok then falls into a pit and gets eaten by skulls, which is really science fairy tale.
0: Yeah, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> The 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 doctor still doesn't believe him, but the thing that finally convinces him is he he calls he calls it a, a, a nursing home, or I'm not sure what they call it in Britain, but what we would call it a care nursing care facility
1: home. of some kind.
0: Yeah, uh, he's trying to get a hold of the uh, the brigadier, and we are told by a nurse, "I'm so sorry, we didn't know how to contact you. I'm afraid Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart passed away." And this was a tribute to mm-hmm. Nicholas Courtney, who had played the brigadier who had died the previous February before this. And, and and this moment is what convinces the Doctor that it's time, you know, for him to go to Lake Silencio and to face his fate. Uh, yeah. I thought that was a nice tribute to, to Nicholas Courtney there. It was. It, really
1: was it also it kind of fails a little bit on the logic level because at this moment, uh, even though so the Doctor has brought Dorian's head in its box on board the TARDIS Mm-hmm. and he is at this moment not prepared to go because his idea is i've got a time machine for me the party's still going i can i can do all these different things even if i have to die i don't have to die now i can do a clara oswald right <laughs> and and that's absolutely true and that's part of why in closing time the previous episode i was down on what's it with all this doctor has to die now stuff you know, right. they're they're just going to redo it. And this is where they redo it, because he makes the call to talk to the brigadier. They say the brigadier's dead. Touchingly, apparently, they'd had him. He had had the staff pour two brandies every night, one for him and one for the doctor in case the doctor ever showed up, mm-hmm. which is sort of like leaving an extra plate for Elijah at Passover, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> right. But the doctor's point is still valid here. He's got a time machine. Okay, you called after the brigadier's death. Call six months earlier then right? you know right. you can go party with the brigadier if you want. That's not the issue. You can take him up on all of those brandies. so you know it there it doesn't work on the logic level. I think we're the best I can do with it mentally is even though logically he doesn't have to die here, it's enough of an emotional gut punch. Mm -hmm. Although why, if you're a time traveler, should this be an emotional gut punch? And this is
0: essentially a mortal time traveler. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Um, but it's enough of a gut punch to get him to accept his own mortality and stop running from it, even though he could.
0: Right. It's it's this weird. Yeah it it sucks a little of the drama out of it. I mean, we know we even then at the time we knew the doctor doesn't actually die. The doctor gets out of it somehow. That the show is going to go on. So. That's a little of the drama sucked out of it. But even here, it's like, yeah, but he's the doctor's not going to die. Like, he just doesn't have to die. And and I felt like I remember when I watched this the first time, I just didn't feel like the stakes, the stakes didn't feel high enough. It was just a matter of waiting to see the clever way that he gets out of it. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't like it's like when Kirk goes down to the planet and he's going to be killed by an alien. It's like, well, of course, Kirk doesn't die or any lead character in a series because Malcolm McDowell gets there. (laughs) <laughs> right, right, exactly. Which that was a weird that that also was a weird thing. Uh that we'll talk about that in Star see was a Star Trek when we get to generations because I want to talk about that. <laughs> but it, so if it feels a little the, the it ended up being just following Moffat's cleverness. You know, just yeah. how did he cleverly write this episode? Uh so it it didn't have that drama gut punch that say the the regeneration of the 10th Doctor had because we knew that was the end for the for, for mm-hmm. David Tennant on on Doctor Who, and that's I think that's the big difference is is not only have that
1: not only did we know that's the end for David Tennant, but also it happened in a way, even though they could have written it better than they did, the fact he he sacrifices his life to save someone we care about, Wilfred Mott yeah, ups the stakes now they tarnished it in the way they did it, but it did feel
0: more impactful there. Right, I remember how, how that felt, and and if I have a criticism of Moffat, and there's there are things to criticize, it's he's always pulls back. He always at the last second he doesn't let Clara die, he doesn't let the the eleventh Doctor die, and and it's nobody dies, and therefore there's not that dramatic punch that you could get if there's no it it, it takes away the stakes, you know if if you if you just people don't die, and and that. Uh, that feels like a, a loss even again with uh lethbridge stewart he's going to undo that later on in the 12th doctor's time where he's oh. got lethbridge stewart shows up as a cyberman to save uh,
1: him. i i yeah that they they said that's what happened but that's a <laughs> Head des- cannon. that's a desecration
0: <laughs> right
1: right that's yeah. not a fixing it or pulling it back that's just that's a mistake
0: yes it is it, but it but it kind of un- undermines the, the the good that you've done before with your writing, and I always I, there was always a, a strange tick that I think that Moffat shows in Doctor Who. I'm not sure why. I would love to see if if there was an interview with him about about this. I'd love to ta- ask him why he does this over and over.
1: Uh, Especially because in in Silence in the Library, he makes a point about how without a death everything is just a comedy that you need death to give in dramatic terms to give mm-hmm. a life scope and meaning and 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 although even then he sort of walks it back with with having river song live on as a data ghost
0: right exactly yeah and and that we in fact that might have been the be- the best thing he did was having the river and the doctor moving in opposite directions in time i love that idea because it does create this this uh, melancholic uh, encounter between them all the time, and we'll see actually some of that later on in this episode near the end. Was in this idea that they're traveling in opposite directions, and we know where River is going. We've already seen it, and that's a mm-hmm. very interesting science fictiony sort of a, a dramatic tension, and I, yeah. I like that. So.
1: One thing I wanted to comment on is the nature of the question, yeah, and wh- and its relevance to the Doctor's name because they they have a scene with the doctor and Winston Churchill where they're uh, talking about this issue, and Winston is essentially asking, you know, why this is so secret. And I forget the exact dialogue they used to get us there, but the doctor comments on what if you what if there was a man who knew some terrible secret that could never be uttered, and it would be really horrible if it was uttered. You know, it would have world-shaking consequences. What would you do? in order to avoid that information getting out. And Winston says, well, if I had to, I'd I'd kill the man. Mm -hmm. And, And so that's the logic. The Doctor knows this terrible secret that somehow answers the question, Doctor Who? And the suggestion is it's his name. And they'll even play with that more next season as they build up to the name of the Doctor and the revelation of the War Doctor Ultimately, though, it's it. it, This is one of those jangly bits where it's a little hard to see what, in hindsight, what the logic is here, right? Because how they're going to pay this off is in the time of the doctor, where Matt Smith regenerates into Peter Capaldi, and in that situation, okay, he's on Trenzalore. There's a crack in time. The Time Lords are on the other side of the crack. They're in a pocket universe, and they're trying to find is this the place we can come out is this the right reality i guess and so they're asking the doctor's name doctor who you know what's what's his name and they are uh, you know that's the question the answer would be doctor and then whatever his name is and they've set up a truth field so he can't answer uh, so he can't answer falsely mm-hmm. and they are poised to come back if he answers and he refuses to answer for centuries and centuries and centuries because he and other people are afraid, even though they're, they've been redeemed, sort of, that if they come through now, the time war will restart because there's a massive army, including the Daleks, to oppose them. And so to avoid subjecting the universe to a second time war, he doesn't give them his name. And right. ultimately, Clara who doesn't at this point know his name, although she did at one point, but she doesn't now. She, she she goes, you silly time lords, his name is the Doctor. That's all the name he's ever needed. And that convinces them somehow. And they then close the time crack, open a new one, give the Doctor new regeneration energy, close the time crack so they don't come through and the war doesn't restart. And And that's how they resolve that. So I'm thinking here how much of all this does why would the doctor interpret this as a as a secret that must never be told you know does right. how how does he know the question doctor who is going to be the key i can understand that if he knew the time war would restart based on his answering his name that he would not want to reveal his name and understand his death to prevent a future time war. But it doesn't seem like he knows all of that stuff at this point. So I, I'm. it still doesn't make sense to me on the logical level. It feels like Stephen Moffat is making it up.
0: Yeah, it feels like he's making it up as it goes along. Well, and then the ultimate question is, why is the doctor's name so secret? Why don't we know the doctor's name?
1: Yeah, and the cause, and this could be just a meta thing on Stephen Moffat's part that you know the, it, it it we can't know the Doctor's name because it's the premise of the series. He's Doctor right. Who. He's this mysterious guy, and that's fine. But but I I it, they haven't set it up so that the name itself is a problem. It's right. only in the context of a re, of restarting the Time War that the name is a problem because other people have learned the Doctor's name. Clara learned it, it briefly before a mind wipe, and River knows it. So right. his name can be told to people without bringing on universal
0: doom. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's. It's, it's a. It feel like it's more of a personal quirk, at least up to this point, than a world, you know, universe shaking potential problem that his name would, that his name has is this. Uh, this mantra, this this spell that could change everything, um, and I think by approaching it, Moffat, you know, by approaching this series fact that you can't see the Doctor's name, but approaching it the way he did, he's created a problem with it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, so I agree, yeah, that that is, it does feel a bit like he's making things up as it goes along, and that he didn't. He at this point in where we're where we're talking about the Wedding River song, it feels like he didn't know what he was going to do in the time of the Doctor. But that, that mm-hmm. wasn't set yet. So, yeah, it yeah. feels like that.
1: On the other hand, there are some clever things in this. The idea of using the Tesselecta to save yes. the doctor, that was Did nice. Did not see
0: that. Did not see that coming. <laughs> the,
1: also, we have an explanation for why people like Madame Kavarian are wearing these eye patches. Mm-hmm. They're not actually eye patches. They're eye drives that pres- that activate the memory centers of your brain so that you can remember the silence when you're not looking at them.
0: Right, and that, that's that's, that's a
1: clever idea.
0: Yeah, um, I like that the the Great Pyramids in Cairo are America's Area 52. because they have a big American flag painted on them? <laughs> yeah, this is one. This that is one. That my,
1: mileage can vary. I I thought it was a little. I, I don't. I'm not a fan of when Stephen Moffat gets science fairy tale. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and this is really science fairy tale.
0: Yeah, it is. I. I say I like it, as in that was that was weird and made me laugh out loud mm-hmm. when I saw it. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. yeah, I re- I recognize the cleverness of the image, and that's why it's there to have mm-hmm. a clever image.
0: Another a little bit of cleverness was when Amy comes in to rescue the Doctor. Churchill and the Doctor are up against the, the whole uh, batch of of the silence in in Churchill's uh, palace. Uh, and Amy and Rory show up, and Amy comes in. She's got the eye patch on. She's all in black, and she says, Pond, Amelia Pond, which was a very James Bond. Oh, yeah. like, of course, you had to do the Pond Bond. Yeah, that was really yeah. good. Uh, also,
1: because she's wearing an eye patch at this moment and she's dressed sinisterly in black, the doctor thinks she's like gone over to the
0: silence. Right, right. Until we get the explanation later on the train uh, as they're heading over to Cairo. Uh, that's a very fast steam train, by the way. <laughs> steam locomotive <laughs> it goes very fast. Uh, one of the things that happens here is, so they've got Madame Kovarian tied up. You know, they've got her in the pyramid, and they've they've uh, they're they're questioning her. And as the silence break out of their containment and start attacking the resistance, or, or whatever you want to call them, uh, they're all running for the roof of the pyramid to to do things. And Amy comes back. The the silencer. Anyone who's wearing the eye patch, it turns out, the silence can execute them, or can cause intense pain, or kill them, sending electricity through it. And, and, and we're told it it
1: varies from person to person. Some people will die. Other people will just be in excruciating agony.
0: Yes. Uh, and uh, as Amy is running out, Madame Covarian is 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 kind of trying to convince her to turn her to get her, taunting her these things. Amy comes back. And basically, she, she kills Madame Kavarian in cold yeah. blood.
1: She it, does. Uh, Madame Kavarian, her eye patch has kind of come off a little bit. It's still right. partially attached to her face, but she's not being shocked to death by it. And she's doing this, you're going to save me, and she's actually very pitiful at this yeah. moment, um, but she's she also is very slimy and at this moment, because... In arguing to Amy that Amy needs to save her, she's not just arguing that Amy needs to save her because it's what the doctor would do. She's arguing, she's asserting that Amy will save her because it's what the doctor will do, would do. And she does it in this way that even though she's acting in a manner that evokes pity and is pitiful in the literal sense, she also is overconfident and and acting a little superior mm-hmm. you're going to do this because it's what the doctor would do and and of course that's absolutely the wrong thing if you if you're if you're about to die and you need to be saved and you're appealing to the better angels of your potential savior's nature <laughs> you 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 say please save me it's what the doctor would do you don't say right. you're going to save me because it's what the doctor would do and yes. and of course, um, Amy then reattaches the eyepiece and says, "Guess what? He's not here." And reattaches the eyepiece and she dies.
0: Yeah, she because she says it's because uh, you took my baby from me and hurt her, and now she's all grown up and she's fine. But I'll never see my baby again. I mean, mm-hmm. that's um, ooh, a, a mother's anger and vengeance. Yeah, except time machine. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> that marty, time is you're,
1: marty tricky. you're not
0: thinking four dimensionally <laughs> right right uh uh the, also uh rory gets to be heroic s- superhero rory again uh he's captain williams uh they don't know e- that they're married in this timeline or they don't kn- really know each other in that in, a, in that relationship in this timeline uh but rory is uh he's got the eye patch he's like why isn't it affecting you He's like it is, ma'am, and he's, you know, you'd see him gripping his 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 fist as he's enduring the pain. He he's
1: he's being um he's being heroic. He's one of the people that it only causes agony to apparently.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: I I so in this in this version, yeah, uh they're not married at this point and but Amy has these repressed memories of Rory that are kind of peeking through but kind of not and the doctor's trying to move their relationship along. Uh, yeah, you know she can't. He can't, she can't recognize Rory, even though he's right in front of her. And she just knows him as Captain Williams. She's never bothered to learn his first name, which is implausible. But then this whole scenario is implausible. Sure. So the doctor like goes to Rory and says, you know, you're, you're you should ask your boss out. She she likes <laughs> you. She told you she's a that you're a Mister Hottiness. and <laughs> yeah. you should in, you should invite her out for texting and scones. And Rory is like, "This is the first time you've ever done this, right?" Yeah, <laughs> and yes. But but then, but then, after Rory's sort of self sacrifice to save her, and they the the silence pointed out as they come in during their attack, Rory Williams, the man who dies again and again, die one last time. And so they're about to kill him, but then Amy shows up. And saves him because she's now recognized who he is. And she's like, mm-hmm. we need to go out for drinks and get married.
0: And he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just being being Rory, being yeah. Rory, which is what that he does, whatever Amy says. So speaking of getting married, so when they get to the roof, why does the Dr. marry River song? I, I've seen this episode yeah. uh, half a dozen times now. I'm still not sure. Why this was necessary.
1: You have to watch it really carefully because it goes by so fast. Moffat should have camped out on this a little bit more. The thing is, so time is disintegrating. If they don't get the universe moving again, even though time has only collapsed on Earth, it's going to disintegrate everywhere if they don't get the universe moving again. And so... River has sent these help messages to everyone in the universe who the doctor has affected, and they're pouring in good wishes. The doctor says, yeah, but they can't help. And River says, I know, but I couldn't let you die without knowing that you're loved. And so the plan by contacting them has not been to actually save the doctor. It's been to let him know that he's loved before he has to die and he then says because river doesn't know he's in the tesselecta and then he the doctor starts to question river about you know her feelings for him and she indicates that she that when he dies she will mourn him more than all of the other creatures in reality put together She loves him more than everyone else, and that's what convinces him to marry her, is that he now knows she loves him more than anyone else, so he's willing to marry her. And so they then do a ritual that is actually a real ritual from human history. It's called hand fasting, Mm -hmm. where you uh, attach two people's hands together frequently by a strip of cloth, which the doctor uses his bow tie for because bow ties are cool there. And having bound the hands fast together, this could symbolize, in the Middle Ages, either an engagement or a marriage. Uh, There were actually two occasions on which it could be done. And here it's a marriage, and the doctor gets consent from from both Amy and Rory. There are some irregularities about how this is done, but fundamentally this (laughs) would end up being valid, because by the end of the ceremony— Everybody agrees to, and nobody dissents from, this being a valid marriage.
0: The, from the parents of the bride, yes. From to, the to parents of the bride, yeah. Yeah.
1: And and then the doctor leans forward and and tells River, I'm going to say something to you, and you must never repeat it to anybody. And he tells her, after he does it, he he says, that was my name. And this makes perfect sense in the light of what we saw in Silence at the Library and Forest of the Dead, where River reveals the doctor, that she knows the doctor's name, and the doctor says, that's impossible, there's only one circumstance where I could reveal my name to anybody, And, and it makes sense that that would be like his wedding, where he might have to say his name as part of the ritual. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is a Stephen Moffat fake-out. All the doctor really said was, look in my eye. And and when River does, she sees the actual doctor there inside the Tesselecta, which she knows about bef- from prior knowledge because she was there in Berlin when, she, when Melody Pond regenerated into River Song, and the Tesselecta was there. Yes. So... So it's it, it is more illogic about what's the uh, why the playing with the name thing. I mean, I don't right. mind playing with the name, but this feels like cheating. So at some point, then he does tell her his name, right? Yeah, it's... but all, all she says in hindsight when someone asks her is it took a while.
0: Maybe uh, the the the, uh, d- uh, the 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 long night that the last episode rivers last episode with the twelfth Doctor except at the towers it, of Daryllium.
1: I mean, maybe it's that's possible. That's possible, but it could have been other times too.
0: Yeah, it could have been.
1: So, uh, so they, they kiss they get, and everything undoes, and every the reset button is smashed down upon in a big way, and yeah, everything goes back to normal.
0: And then we, we have uh, – we're not done yet because Amy – we have Amy sitting in the, her back garden of her house with Rory. She's sitting there alone, and River shows up. Or
1: or as we would say in, in America, her back lawn. Her,
0: her, yeah, her backyard lawn, her backyard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I, was trying to, I was trying to be sophisticated. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's, natu- <laughs> it's
1: natural on this show. I'm just pointing out <laughs> those two words mean the same thing. A lawn is they a do. garden. Yeah.
0: That's right. That's right. In, so, uh, in America,
1: a garden is a little different. It'll be like a flower garden or a vegetable garden.
0: That's right. Uh, so uh, River shows up and she's just she uh, informs Amy that she in her timeline, she just came from the Byzantium, which mm-hmm. was the first time Amy met River. Um, and uh, you know, she says to Amy, how are you doing? And Amy responds, the doctor's dead. You, you know, that's. Like that's all that matters right now is that the doctor's dead and she remembers killing Madame Covarian in cold blood, and that is also something that continues to to bother her conscience.
1: Yeah. Um so in this discussion, River talks about how she has to lie all the time as a time traveler. She has to hide her knowledge of things, and mm-hmm. that she's been doing this consistently down through her appearances. Right. Um and that's reasonable. A- she tries to make Amy feel better by pointing out that Amy only killed Madame Kavarian in an aborted timeline that no longer exists. Yeah. And I, I, it's, it's like, okay, speaking from the perspective of moral theology, that excuse does not work.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> because even, even if that timeline no longer exists, you were there and you did that. So that was, yes. Amy did commit murder.
0: And her conscience is rightly pricking her, you know, saying, yeah. yes, that her conscience is doing its job. Yeah. Uh, and she, she needs to seek forgiveness for that. But uh, Amy is
1: still sad and uh, because of the doctor's death. And so River says what everyone in the audience knows, of course he's not. <laughs> and And Amy is initially thinking for once, like four-dimensionally, River has yes. a time machine. He's not dead for you, and River reveals, "No, he's not dead." Period. Right. And uh, so, because even, rule number one, <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> the doctor, the doctor lies. lies. Yeah, yeah.
1: And and so we we get. I forget if it's at this point or in the next scene, we get the reveal with the Tesselecta.
0: Yeah, I, I think do we. It's in, it's, one, it's, a, it's in one
1: of the two, but we end yeah. the scene with Amy, Rory, and River rejoicing in the knowledge the Doctor is not
0: dead. And then This we has cut. one of my, my best mm-hmm. moments, by the way, The scene, the end of this, yeah. is, uh, you know, are you sure, River? Are you really properly sure? Of course I'm sure. I'm his wife. Yes, says Amy. And I'm his mother-in-law? Like, the the realization, finally, that she's the doctor's mother-in-law, I think that's a—I I love that moment yeah. when I first saw it. That was a good one.
1: And in subjective time, it's only been a few minutes, so. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, it's the next scene when the doctor shows up back at the Headless Monk's basement. Vaults. Vault. Uh, that he we reveals. should. That's
1: that's an American usage. We should bring in. So we have basements. We should start calling them our vaults.
0: <laughs> yeah. So if I wish I had a vault, I don't even have a basement. Children <laughs> but that would be- go
1: down into the vault and get the sack of potatoes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I wish I could do that. So yeah, he goes back to the to the, the headless monk's storage room and uh where Dorium is and that's he tells Dorium that he was in the Tesselecta we get a a flashback to when the doctor had encountered the Tesselecta earlier in the episode and they're like anything we could do for your doctor, you doctor let us know and he walks out well then we get he comes back like yeah. we see the scene again where he comes actually, back actually there's one thing <laughs> yeah uh and and then we get this moment where the doctor says i got too big too mm-hmm. noisy Every, and that's why everyone wants wanted to kill him. You know, he was too too much of a presence.
1: And, and he's going to step back into the shadows now. And this which, this actually is good. This is good yes. thinking on Stephen Moffat's part because it pays off a theme that has been a an uh, they've been dealing with ever since Silence in the Library. Because the solution at Silence in the Library is for the Doctor to turn to the Vastar Narada and say we're in the biggest library in the world, look me up. And right. and that causes this, the Vastanarada to retreat. And it's the first time the Doctor plays on his godlike reputation in that decisive a way. But it keeps happening. You you look at the end of uh, the first Matt Smith season with the Pandorica opens, and you have this alliance of alien races that are all terrified of the Doctor, and he's just uh, at Stonehenge spouting this arrogant speech, and then it turns out they're here to save the universe from him. Yeah. And and the whole Dr. Arrogance, you know, I'm virtually a god thing has been going on for an incarnation and a half, and or more. I mean, really, all through New Who, there's yeah. been elements of this, all the way back to Christopher Eccleston. And it has become increasingly problematic because if the solution keeps being Look Me Up, that sucks the drama out of the series. So it's actually good for Stephen Moffat to say, hey, let's go back to what it was like in Tom Baker's day or Patrick Troughton's day, where not everybody in space immediately knew who the Doctor was.
0: Right, right. I was thinking of *Time Lord Victorious* and *Water of Mars* and other uh, yeah. uh, things like that. Yeah. I mean, even back all the way back to *Rose*, the very first *New Who* episode, where the Ninth Doctor, you know, they they Rose tracks him down by looking him up, you know, seeing mm-hmm. him through history and that sort of stuff. Yeah, that, that 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 if any of anything in this episode, it was that idea of bring, making the Doctor small again, bringing him back again, to the Doctor can travel and do things without everyone bowing before him in his godlike reputation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did like that. Uh, so anything—and oh, of course, we end with Dorian giving him the question, the first question, the question that must never be answered, uh, the Doctor Who, and then he repeats it over and over again at this yeah. point, and, and, that, and that sort of thing. So that's where that is.
1: So what did you think of this as a, as a closer to— it doesn't close off either the River Song or the um, the Silence arcs, but it does give us some closure on both of them. I mean, it's a closure for the series of the Silence tries to kill the Doctor arc, right? And and it's the series finale, and then it also gets us to finally the Doctor and River are married. So, what
0: do yeah. you think of this episode in accomplishing those functions? i kind of feel like this should have been a regeneration episode that mm-hmm. because when we get back to the fields of trends later and the name of the doctor and all of that we're sort of we're back we're back here again the alliance the silence the everything that's at stake and and it, it feels like this all gets undone by then again mm-hmm. and that felt kind of odd i felt I almost feel like we I, they, I wanted two separate things i wanted Amy and Rory and River and the wedding with River Song and that sort of stuff and all of this other, the silence and the the Doctor's gotten too big and all of that to be something different because one way for the Doctor to get small again is for him to have a new face and a new inca- you know incarnation and mm. to be unknown again, uh-huh. which is what they eventually do with Capaldi. So, uh, so the, and because I think they he tried to pack so much into this episode. So many mm-hmm. different elements, and I felt and that's one of the reasons why I felt like it, the first couple of times I watched this, I got a little lost in, in it. It,
1: it It is very easy to get lost in this, and he spends so much time with the fairy tale stuff just cramming images and concepts into the script that yeah. it distracts from the from the principal action yeah i I like the fact river is is now i mean I like the fact we finally got to they're married, we can stop. Yeah we can stop the will they won't they stuff and can move forward on what was obvious from the very beginning yeah so i like that i i i like the setup for the season arc with the silence mm-hmm. more than i like the payoff yeah so i like the impossible astronaut and mm-hmm. whatever the whatever the second one day of the moon was I like that more than this. I don't hate this one. I just think it's flawed. It's still yeah. enjoyable to me, but it's, I see the flaws in it pretty pretty prominently. And unfortunately, since it's a season arc, we, we now have the prospect of the Christmas episode, which is uh, the worst. The worst. And then next season is not on the level of this season in terms of writing. Right. And one of the things that I really didn't like about next season is there is so little river in it because now that they're married I want to see them married I want to see them going on adventures together that was always the you know the promise of the doctor and river is she's the companion of the future let's see them being companions now that they're finally married but Moffat decided he would only bring in Alex Kingston for like special episodes rather than take the mystery out of her and so we only actually get river twice next season yeah fortunately big finish exists and big finish has been exploring river and her relationship with the doctor in multiple ways as well as on her own she has there's a whole uh, adventures of, di- it's called the diary of river song and there's a whole series of audio plays that fall under that range uh many of them are just river on her own but my favorites yeah. are where river is with the doctor Just uh, my, so far, my all-time favorite one, I forget the number, but if you go to bigfinish.com, you can easily find it. It's the the set where River and Peter Davison's doctor Mm. are together. In the first play in that series, River encounters some disturbing stuff, and she's so disturbed by it, she needs the doctor just to be with him, any one of him, just to help her be comforted. And and she happens to pick Peter Davison's doctor, and there's some brilliant stuff in there. In, in particular, there is a, a a one of the plays is based on my dinner with Andre, mm-hmm. and so it's River and and Peter Davidson's doctor sort of having a dinner together, at this you know fancy French space restaurant and um space time restaurant, and and it's it's divided up by like the courses of a meal. Right. And it's 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 brilliant. I just love that one in particular. Also, very recently, one one of the most recent ones is called uh the the Tenth Doctor and River Song. Mm-hmm. And it's a set of like three audio plays, if I recall correctly. I've listened to the first one so far, and it's what's fascinating about um about this is the tenth doctor knows who she is. Yes. So like Peter Davison can't at least at the end of it he can't know who she is and right. through much of it he can't know who she is. Um he can get little flashes maybe, but that's about it. But but the but the 10th Doctor can know who she is because he's met her at the library. And so you have a different dynamic with him where he's in this I know you're this person from my future, and you know more about me than I know about you, and I don't like that, and why are you being so flirty, and so forth. So you have a different dynamic. And the, uh, the first play in the Tenth Doctor and River Song is a, is a literary play, in the sense of it's like a literary novel that's told through the form of letters. So you have mm. the Doctor and River Song writing letters on psychic paper. To each Uh other. And so you hear their voices and you hear what's going on in the background as they're writing their letters and and things like that. And it's it is this interesting romantic correspondence.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that you met. You you kind of uh, answered something I was going to ask It's like, how does the fact that the, the Tenth Doctor is the first one to remember her? So how does she meet older doctors and then have him not remember her? So they, they must have the they have a, of things. yeah, they
1: have a variety of different ways of doing it. Sometimes I think when they first did it it's like she was on the other end of a radio connection and he yeah. never saw her. They have others where they meet briefly but they don't she keeps the secret from him. And also, she has psychic lipstick. So um she yeah. give him a kiss. He got the Superman Lois Lane memory effect, and he won't remember.
0: <laughs> right, right. All right. So we've uh, we've got stuff to look forward to going into next season. Uh, there's some good. There's some good episodes. Yeah, there's some. And and then we'll we'll meet uh, Clara Oswald for the not first time. We'll, yeah, there's not enough. Richard Nixon did good things too. <laughs> Oh, we're getting just brace yourselves folks. Dinosaurs on a spaceship. Ugh. The town called Mercy. <laughs> That's all coming. <laughs> uh, the uh Statue of Liberty as the as a as a weeping angel. Oh, it's mm. all coming. <laughs> so, br- brace yourselves. Uh all right. So, let's let's wrap things up there. We want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create The Secrets of Doctor Who, including Gabe S, James S, Brooke K, Joel L, and Pamela F. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. We'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. So that's it from us. What do you think of The Wedding of Riversong and this whole series, this whole season? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page. Or send an email to Doctor Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the third Doctor story, The Demons. The Demons? The Demons? I never daemons. know how to pronounce that. <laughs> it's got a diphthong in there. Yeah, I <laughs> know. The diphthong really throws me. Until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me in sharing The Secrets of Doctor Who. Thanks, Dom. Five rounds rapid. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, you are forgiven always and completely forgiven right this is gonna be fun